Welcome back to another episode of the Transform Your Life podcast. I'm Angela Haug, founder of the international online coaching business, Team Ange. I'm an expert in building muscle and losing fat, a natural figure and fitness pro athlete with the UFE, and a lover of everything personal development. I'm a mom, a businesswoman. Most days, I just feel like a hot mess trying to keep it all together. I spent the first two decades of my life overweight, tired, hating vegetables, and living off Pepsi. I got sick and tired of feeling tired every day and decided to transform my life. This fitness and nutrition podcast is dedicated to educating and empowering listeners on all things training, nutrition, and personal development. I'm on a mission to help you improve your body, achieve your goals, live a confident and fulfilled life stepping into your full potential. So let's help you transform physically and mentally to a person that's been hiding underneath all along. Let's do it. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to today's episode. I am chatting with an absolutely incredible woman by the name of Jillian. Jillian, she's a health and fitness coach and she really wants you to ditch your diet and quit doing the workouts that you dread. She's got a degree in kinesiology and over 20 years of health coaching experience. She really creates these personalized lifestyle strategies to help hundreds of clients redefine what fitness means to them and get lasting results they've never dreamed of. Jillian started her journey hating her body at the early age of five, and it took more than 20 years, an eating disorder, an Ironman, and becoming a mom to finally uncover the kinder, more compassionate approach to health and fitness. So she created this incredible book that is called The Elephant in the Gym, and after reading it, I really knew I had to connect with Jillian. She lives on the west coast of Canada in British Columbia, and this conversation you guys are going to absolutely love. We talk about how no gym membership is required to be fit. We talk about why traditional goal setting is tripping you up, the one thing you need to set the foundation for success, and really how to create a lasting lifestyle that you absolutely love. We talk about how to do it all as a mama and just the incredible things that Jillian is doing within the space of online coaching. So let's get into today's conversation. Hope you guys enjoy. Let's do it. We'll get right into today's conversation with me welcoming you and saying thank you for taking the time to have today's podcast episode. Well, thanks for having me. This is fun. All right. So let's start things off by talking about your newly released book, The Elephant Mm -hmm. in the Gym. What Mm -hmm. inspired it? Well, I get that question a lot. And I mean, I think it was a lot of things, but the biggest inspiration was I kept having the same conversations with clients where, you know, they had, you know, struggled with their health and fitness, struggled to be, you know, quote unquote, on the wagon. And then whenever they fell off, they made it mean something about their capacity to be successful. And what I know is that if you don't succeed with a particular approach, it's not, it's not you that's the problem. It's the approach isn't the right fit for you. And so the conversations I kept having were really so heart wrenching. So many people just felt so disheartened by the whole process of fitness and health and feeling like it's kind of like this impossible task and this huge chore and just a really not helpful and in some cases sometimes dysfunctional relationship with fitness and with food. And I just kind of wanted to, you know, really shine a light on some of the things that I think are tripping people up. Mm, I love that. So what is it that's tripping us up? What is it that we're doing that is backwards or wrong Mm -hmm. or really, really, um, yeah, just not setting us up for success. Like I know some of the things from your book are like really why traditional goal setting is really Mm -hmm. one of those components that that's messing us up. So let's start there. Why is setting goals in the way that we traditionally set goals, not helping us with where we want to go on our health and fitness journey? Yeah, I think that we put a lot of pressure or a lot of value on goals. And I'm not, you know, people are like goals are amazing. I love goals. They totally work for me. And you know, what I would say is that for the, the minority of people where setting goals really works for you as a strategy, then I would say, great. One of my phrases is you do you, if something's working for you, keep doing what's working for you. Don't, it ain't broke. Don't fix it. But for the majority of people, what I end up seeing is that they set these goals 
oftentimes they aren't terribly realistic or really grounded in a, a great place. They're grounded from like what they think they should do, um, not necessarily what works for them or really what speaks to them and their definition of health, which is kind of another piece of that what's not working. Um, but when we set these goals, we kind of get kind of stuck in this idea that when this happens, then ta-da, the angels will sing and the you know stars will align and there'll be rainbows and unicorns everywhere. And we put so much pressure on the outcome and don't focus on the process. And at the end of the day, the process is the stuff that matters. You know, we're um, out on the West Coast, lots of running events are starting to really, really happen. And one of the big ones on the island is happening this weekend. And I coach uh, a learn to run program to get people ready for this particular 10K race. And so often at races, big events like that, what I see is people putting so much pressure on this idea of getting to that event, but they lose sight of all of the process of getting there. And there's so much to be gained from the process of being, what I say, in the practice of health and fitness. So it's about taking the focus off that end goal um, where we think that there's magically going to be this thing that happens, that we're going to be magically happier, magically, you know, more confident in our skin, magically more, you know, all these things, we put so much uh, pressure or emphasis on that outcome. And then we end up losing sight of the part that really matters, which is all the little steps you take to get there which is actually the stuff that builds your character and really builds your health and actually helps you be the best human you can be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's kind of like the now what too, right? Yes. Like, like you get yes. there and it's like, well, now what do I do? Yes. And, and it's so interesting because I work with competitive bodybuilding athletes and it's almost like they know what to do. They're just like, give me the blueprint. And then when they yeah. get to the goal and it's done, it's like, well, I don't know how to eat. I'm like, Right. Well, you do know how to eat, but it's almost like yeah. we can become very like paralyzed by that yes. versus like, yes. um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I totally agree with everything that you're saying. I also think people think that if they set the goal, that is how they're going to be motivated, <laughs> right? They're like, if I set, if I don't yeah. set a goal, I won't be motivated to yeah. do the thing. And tell me why that's not the right way to look at it. Well, one of the things I talk about in the book and I talk about it with clients all the time is like, okay, that's cool. Set the goal, but what's behind the goal? So what's the deeper resonating reason why, why that goal is important to you? And when I ask that question, it would be like, well, I don't know. I just feel like I should have something that I'm shooting towards. Shouldn't I? Well, I don't know. Should you? Like, it's it's kind of one of those, you know, a bit of a chicken egg thing. But what I find is when we set these kind of, you know, should goals or these are seemingly arbitrary goals because it seems like a good idea. Or maybe we set that running goal or that fitness competition goal because we did that and that worked for us in the past. And we kind of have connected the achievement of that goal to maybe a level of happiness, maybe a level of confidence in our bodies, maybe a level of feeling good in our skin and feeling good about our health. And then that might not be the same experience this time. So, you know, at its core, what is the motivation behind the goal? What's the deeper meaning of like the why? Like, why do you want to do these things? You know, what are you trying to achieve through setting that goal? And then if we can kind of get to that, you know, peel back the onion and get to the core of what's behind this, then that's the deeper motivation. That's the stuff that starts to really inspire you to get out of bed in the morning and go and hit the gym instead of, you know, sleeping in or pressing snooze. That's the stuff that's going to get you inspired to, to do the work because it is work. You know, when you're challenging yourself, you're putting yourself outside your comfort zone. Great things do take work. Uh, and if it becomes too much of a chore, then we have a bigger problem at hand because nobody likes to do things they don't enjoy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to just kind of talk about that. So maybe somebody is thinking on that very surface level why, and maybe they've never mm-hmm. had a conversation with you or myself yeah. or even somebody in that capacity. So what are some yeah. examples when you get down to that core of why you might want to make a change. I know for me in my practice, 
it's um, like sometimes women, they won't even take pictures with their kids because they feel embarrassed yes. by their bodies. And yeah. they're like, I don't have pictures with my children for five years of their life because I didn't like how I looked. So yeah. I feel like it's kind of getting to that that is beyond the 20 pounds. So what's some examples that you can think of that are a little bit deeper than just that surface poundage? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we can get so I mean, we live in a culture where there's just so much emphasis placed on how we look and how we, you know, especially as women, my goodness, I was having a conversation just the other day with someone and she's like, well, I need to lose 10 pounds. And, you know, to me, for me, looking objectively at this woman in front of me, she's a healthy weight, she's, you know, she's living a healthy, vibrant life, she has great health habits, from what I can hear. And, you know, she's, you know, <laughs> I said to her, I said, so tell me why you need to lose the 10 pounds. What's, what's that about? Well, I, I'm just 10 pounds heavier than I, 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 I was, you know, 10 years ago. Okay. So what is telling you that you need to lose 10 pounds? <laughs> you start to have this like deeper reasoning, like, where is this coming from that you feel like you need to do lose 10 pounds? And, and then you get to this deeper core of, um, coaches call it the clunk where you just get to this, like, Oh, it's because ultimately I'm just not feeling like my habits refl reflect, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blaming this 10 pounds on some health habits I have that I just genuinely am not comfortable with. And so it's this binging or I'm doing in the evening or this, you know, mindless snacking of my kids leftover foods and these types of habits that I just don't generally feel very good about. Mm. And it's that that's making me feel uncomfortable with the 10 pounds. Mm. Or sometimes it's like, well, I don't, I know like everybody else seem like I, you know, I want to be able to wear the clothes I wore when I was 25 or I was like, okay, well, why? Like, why as women do we feel like we need to keep the same shape and size that we did like 10, 20 years ago? Is that realistic? Are you allowed to age? Are you allowed to evolve as a woman and as a human? Um, and I think that's really important too. Uh, yeah. The deeper reason is often something that will strike some emotion. So when we get down to that deeper reason, it's like, oh, I just, I feel like I can't, my kids want to go and do these active things and I can't keep up with them. I want to go and be that mom that's playing tag at the park, but right now I just get winded every single time I play or I can't climb a flight of stairs without feeling exhausted or, you know, my friends are all doing these cool hikes and runs and I can't keep up or I go to the beach and I'm not comfortable being in a bathing suit. And it's all those little pieces. And so it's like really peeling back the layers and looking at, okay, at the core, what does that look like in terms of health habits? And then how do we get you feeling more comfortable in your skin and having the, the quality of life that you're really after? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's what kept on resounding in my mind too, was like it, it's really coming back to the quality of life Yes. that you're that you're hoping for and it's one of those interesting things because I feel like what people say in terms of their core desires would be like I want to be more confident I want yeah. to be happier but I think it's one of those things where I think there's the assumption that if I get to that size yes. that desire will just be there and it doesn't yeah. it doesn't work that way Totally. Yeah. That confidence, it's like that meme that goes around, like happiness is an inside job. Confidence is an inside job too. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes it's like, <clears throat> it's not the exterior can actually play very, like I know women that, you know, likewise have done fitness competitions and bodybuilding and are terribly uncomfortable in their skin. And I know mm -hmm. women who are you know, healthier, but by kind of aesthetic standards, by our society standards are kind of above, um, above, you know, the norms and are like wildly confident in the skin they're in and so vibrant and so, you know, so comfortable in their skin. And so your physical aesthetic actually has very little to do with your confidence. It's yeah. about really embracing the body you've got because we can mold shape and, you know, you know, I look at fitness competitors as an example of like the the artistry and the science of 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 sculpting your body and challenging yourself to to obtain these you know aesthetic ideals because it is an aesthetically based competition, but not coming at it from a place of that hinging your success and your happiness on that. 
on doing it because it's a sport and doing it because you enjoy the work and you enjoy the process of getting there. Um, so it's about finding that healthy balance with it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you're now on the other side and, and you have this wonderful perspective that you're sharing with the world. But when I was reading your bio, you had mentioned that you started hating your body at the age of five. So mm-hmm. I want us to just kind of go back there and yeah. paint, a, paint a picture mm-hmm. of what had happened and yeah. what that led you down over the past couple of decades. Yeah. You're kind a couple of decades, <laughs> maybe three or four decades, decades since I was five. But, um, So when I was five, I have very distinct memory of being very uncomfortable in my skin. I have a very clear memory. Elementary school had a fun day. It was like the year end wrap up. And I'm five and I'm doing this relay race and I can even remember what I'm wearing. And I remember feeling like it was too tight. It was a hand-me-down for my sister and it just didn't fit me very well. And I remember feeling uncomfortable and I remember feeling like I couldn't keep up. We were doing a relay and I was paired with an older child and I couldn't keep up with her and I just felt like I was letting my team down. And that feeling was something that was just the beginning of it and that just kind of carried through. I was um, bullied quite a bit growing up for my weight uh, and I just always just felt like my body was a problem that I should fix. Um, you know, and, and it, it doesn't help that, you know, all the advertising and all the messaging we receive as people, men or women from the media and, you know, like, you know, and all these marketing campaigns around, you know, you know, take this to lose this and this magic cure for this and belly wrap this and all these things that are out there telling us that our bodies are genuinely, they're a problem that we need to fix. And there's something wrong if we, you know, have a muffin top, there's something wrong if we, you know, don't look like a bikini model. And that's kind of this idolized vision of health and fitness. And well, what if I don't look like that? Can I still be healthy and not look like that? Is how I look the the purest reflection of health? And the reality is, is as I've grown in my education, and I, you know, I got, got my degree in kinesiology, and then I pursued some, um, some pretty challenging sporting events like Ironman, what I started to recognize myself was that how my body looked and how my body performed are actually not mutually exclusive. Is that the right, that's what I meant to say. (laughs) So you can be incredibly healthy and fit and that healthy and fit doesn't necessarily look the same way on every person. And we're all so genetically different, right? So if you look at the diversity, running is an example I use a lot just because I run and I participated in running events for 20 years. And I, I look at running events and I love going to running events because what you see is just this full range and full beautiful diversity of all shapes and sizes, all ages, all demographics, all out there challenging their bodies to these athletic events. And there's just so much diversity. But we in fitness specifically and in the health conversation, in our heads, somehow we've ingrained this notion that there's a very narrow vision of health. And so when you feel like you don't, you're an outlier and you don't feel like you look that part, for me, it was very challenging. For me, it was, I felt like even once I got into the fitness industry, it's like, well, I don't look like that. Who's going to want to take advice from me if I don't look like that? And then once I got past that and realized, actually, you know what, my clients love that I I'm a little bit more like them, <laughs> that I that I have health and I, I don't focus on how I look so much, but as how, how do I perform? What can my body do? You know, and it's it's about focusing on that athletic endeavor as opposed to or that performance outcome of being able to chase after your kids at the park or climb that flight of stairs or, you know, run 5Ks when I'm 80. That's one of mine. I want to be able to run 5Ks when I'm 80 with my grandkids. I, that just totally floats my boat. And so it's about having the habits that help me maintain that. So it's been, a, I would say, not a, a short journey for me from the age of five to now 40. But I think it's been a really worthwhile journey just because I feel like it's really grounded me in, in the experience. And I really, I really get it. I really get the struggle that so many people, like I've, I've had so many messages from people, not just women, which is what I was expecting, but from men too saying, gosh, I read your book. And I just, I, I so, I so, it so resonated for me. I felt that way too. I felt like I wasn't, you know, there's something wrong with my body too. It's like, wow, this is just a really human experience that we are so critical and so critical of our bodies specifically. 
Mm-hmm. So going back to those younger years, did you ever tell anybody about the way that you were feeling? Or do you feel as though you kept a lot of those insecurities and what you were feeling about your body within yourself? Um, I think I did talk because I'm a bit of a talker. <laughs> and I think that, you know, uh, you know, you know, your parents are always doing the best they can with the tools they have. And my mom was always trying to support me. And every summer she would try to inspire me to kind of move a little bit more. I was involved in a lot of different activities. They were trying to like, likewise, what the the toolkit they knew, which is kind of the society toolkit is if you're unhappy with your body, then let's do a diet. Let's move your body more. Let's do these things to fix that. You know, at the, at the core, I, I just kind of felt like I didn't belong. And so you know, there was other pieces to that puzzle. But, you know, yeah, I would say that I did talk, but not, not as vulnerably as I have in later years, for sure. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I didn't have that emotional maturity either at that point. Exactly, exactly. So how do we have those conversations with our daughters and perhaps approach it from the perspective that you have now in the conversations that we're having? Yeah, I think, you know, as moms, I talk to a lot of moms about this. And, you know, one of the biggest things I think that we can do for our kids and what I kind of try to do myself as a mom of two kids, two boys, is really just try to focus on what their bodies can do as opposed to how their bodies look. Really being cognizant of not making commentary about my body, my, my myself, in front of my kids. I mean, in general, I shouldn't be doing that anyways, because it's really not that productive. But making negative comments about our bodies, other people's bodies, um, noticing it, if they make comments about their bodies that are, you know, critical and not helpful, you know, um, I think role modeling what a healthy relationship with your body looks like, and having that really mindfully choosing your words around what you're doing, whatever, whatever that looks like. Even if you have some aesthetic goals, as I know many of your clients and probably most of your following does, it's okay to have those aesthetic goals, especially when you're doing bodybuilding, like that's part of it. So, but making sure that you're relating to it in a way that is very much about this is an athletic pursuit and I'm challenging myself and I'm pushing, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, pushing myself out of my comfort zone and I'm trying new things. And I, you know, I love the way that this makes my body feel as opposed to what this makes my body look like. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really focusing on function. I would say that we, we need to focus on function, not on aesthetics. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. As the bigger end goal. Yeah. For sure. For sure. It's yeah. so funny because even though I'm a competitive bodybuilder, my three-year-old son says I don't have any muscles. So <laughs> <laughs> that's his <laughs> viewpoint of it. I'm like, well, you, you, you watch the Hulk and maybe it's yeah, just, it, maybe it's just different. I'm not sure. But, um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it's just interesting to see his perspective in relation to it like he's well, obviously he been going to the gym with me um for a long time and uh yeah. and trying to replicate what I'm doing and that kind of thing which is really cute but it's funny because he doesn't see me that way so I think that's that's kind of cool right like I, I think it's cool that he just sees me as his mom versus yeah. what my body looks like at all <laughs> yeah oh totally I once had a, a, a similar child body experience where my son was snuggled up to me and he affectionately said to me, he had his hand on my tummy and then he kind of squished my loose skin and he's like, oh, mommy, squishy, squishy. And <laughs> initially I was like, uh, dude, that's rude in my head. <laughs> and yeah. uh, then I realized it was a term of endearment. To yeah. him, it was like, that's comfort. To him, that is like, that's love and comfort and safe space. And so it's like, wow, what? as women were conditioned that I shouldn't have loose skin and you know, my body should look the same after babies as it did before. And it's like, why on earth would I ever think that after delivering a human being into this world that I should look the same as I did before? Like that's, it's kind of insane. Um, but we have these weird societal expectations of what our bodies are supposed to look like and be like before and after children. But for me, it was just an awakening of like, Oh, he loves that part of me. What would it look like if I loved that part of me too? Exactly. And embrace that part of me. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And like when they say things, it's with no judgment behind no what they're saying. Oh like God. if they say like my, my son le- loves to say that I have a big booty, but I don't like, I don't know <laughs> where that big booty came from, but regardless, if he says that, yeah. I'm like, he's not saying that to like 
be judgmental or say like lose weight off your butt he just likes saying mama's got a big booty I'm like okay let's rock with it you know so right yeah. Oh my gosh. Mama's got a big, strong booty. That's, that's what she's got, Ma. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So, let's just give some really actionable things for somebody who's listening to today's yeah. episode. So, they're like, you know what? This all sounds great. But where mm-hmm. I'm at right now, what do I need to do to really get started on approaching this journey yeah. in a different way than what maybe they have been up until this point? Totally. I think the first and foremost, it's about just doing a bit of introspection and really getting curious about what does healthy look like and not by the physicality of it, pardon me, but what is, what are the set of habits and routines? What would you be able to do with your body in your healthy, in your version of health? So again, I think we can kind of get stuck in that if healthy looks like going to the gym and, you know, eating a clean diet and this, that, and the other thing, we have some ideas that we've kind of garnered from you know the news feeds and all these ideas that are out there but you know healthy is a is a different set of habits for every person so for some people healthy looks like you know having the energy and vitality to kind of say yes to any adventure that's mine um and you know or it's for some people it's like i want to be able to get down on the ground and play with my grandkids or some people it might be you know want to have the energy and vitality to fight this cancer. And so, I mean, and that's a fairly dramatic example, but I think we need to really respect and honor that at the various stages of our life, health is going to look different. And we need to be curious and constantly curious and willing to and open to an evolution of our relationship with health and recognize that the practices and the routines that we have are going to shift and evolve with time. So I think some curiosity is the first step and just kind of some introspection around, you know, how do I define health? What does that look like for me? And then from there, starting to just really notice how you're either setting yourself up for success or setting yourself up for struggle. You know, are you speaking unkindly to yourself? How does that end up making you feel? We have this notion that we have to be critical to be motivated, but it's just genuinely not true. (laughs) You know, and all the research points to that is that when we have that self-critical tape running in our minds, when we're being that kind of inner bully, that inner bully is not motivating. If you think about if you were teaching a child to ride a bike, you know, if you you were nattering at them in kind of an unkind, you know, set of words, you know, that wouldn't be motivating to that child. What would be motivating is like, okay, you've got this. Let's, you know, you know, you're going to fall. Falling's part of learning. Like, let's, here we go. Like, how can I support you? Like, we're going to be encouraging and, and helpful. So how can we be encouraging and kind and helpful to ourselves? So practicing that kind of self-compassionate approach to health and fitness, I think is really important. And then the other big thing is just to not jump in the deep end. (laughs) This analogy I use a lot when people decide they're going to get healthy and fit and they're going to make some changes with their health and fitness, more often than not, what I find is they look to the healthy and fit people <laughs> and they look to the healthy and fit people and they're, you know, going to the gym five days a week and they're, you know, eliminating all the refined sugar. I'm talking about the most extreme versions, right? But they look to those people and they try to emulate those people, which isn't bad, per se. But the reality is that as humans, we don't shift our habits that way. You can't, you know, we can't rip the mandate and do it all all at once. It's very unlikely to be successful because our brains get fatigued by all that change. It's a lot of work to make changes. And so one of the strategies I encourage people to do is something called habit layering. So take one habit that you can focus on that you feel like it's going to challenge you just a little bit, but not so much that you don't feel motivated by it. There's a apparently video games, there's a 4% increase in challenge with every level. So what's the 4% challenge that you can give to yourself? And then choose that one thing, not 10, one thing and work on that for a week and really ingrain that new habit. And, and then once that new habit feels like you got that, you know, maybe it's drinking more water or maybe it's having vegetables with every meal and snack, or maybe it's, you know, getting to bed 15 minutes earlier so you actually are getting enough sleep or whatever that is. Choosing that one thing, being successful with it, and then building and layering upon that. So then integrating a secondary habit where you feel like you can kind of grow from there. Because when we put too much on and then we struggle, what ends up happening is we make it mean something about our capacity to be successful. And we damage our self-efficacy. We damage our confidence and our capabilities. So 
wanted to, if we can pull it back and just slowly pull the reins a little bit on our enthusiasm when we decide we want to make a change and just do one thing at a time. So health first, really start to be curious, do some introspection, then really start to notice how you're interacting with yourself because that can really change, that mindset piece can really change how we, our capability to be successful. And then, you know, really leaning in one thing at a time and layering your habits on one piece at a time as opposed to jumping in the deep end and trying to do it all 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 at the same time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Absolutely. Now, when somebody goes and they, they go to embark on this and they're trying to shift their mindset and they're trying to be approaching it from a more loving and compassionate way, how do they handle when the environment around them keeps on knocking them down? So whether yeah. that is social settings, friends, partners, yeah, them totally. being like, oh, come on, you're really going to get the salad today. You yeah. know, you, you get that. I, I'm uh, trying to do a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. yeah. So how do, how do we approach that when, when from an external perspective, sometimes yeah. the people closest to us say things that aren't loving and compassionate in yeah. the way that we would want them to be. Yeah. Um, in my book, I talk about the in, the impact of your environment, which is huge, right? The, it's the people, places, and things that either support you or distract you. <laughs> and so I think, again, I come back to mindfulness a lot. It's like, step one, notice them. Notice when you have ha- when you have people, places, or things that distract you or encourage you. You want to try and ramp up the things that encourage you and support you and dial back in whatever way you can the things that are distracting you and taking you off course and away from what's working for you. And, you know, that's, that can be, that's easier said than done, right? But I think do step one for sure is just noticing it. Um, if you have that friend where it's, they're always kind of health shaming you for making a choice that's for you. Um, so, you know, can you minimize the amount of time? So if I think about people, can you minimize the amount of time that you're spending with them or shift how you're spending time with them. Maybe don't go out for meals with them. Maybe instead you invite them to join you at a fitness class or you go for a walk instead, something that's really conducive to health. Or maybe you find another activity that they're not going to be, you know, maybe if they're not in the health conversation right now, they're not actively exercising or moving. And the idea of doing something active with them is going to maybe confront them a little bit. Find something else that's kind of neutral that you can do with them, that you can still engage the relationship, but, you know, because there's some people obviously you can't eliminate from your life. It's finding that safe space and setting the boundary that's going to work for you. Um, if I think about places, like thinking about every time you walk past that coffee shop on your lunch break, you always want to go in and get a cookie and a coffee. Well, maybe just don't walk past that way. <laughs> Change your walking route at lunchtime so that you're not being, again, um, bombarded by that. Or if you're always noticing that you're overeating in the evening watching television such a common thing for us to do is we kind of turn our brain off we get into wind down mode and it's finally our time that precious our time especially as parents but so many of my clients say like that's when they start to kind of overeat the junky food that they don't know they know they shouldn't be having but so how can you break up those things can you you know, set some guidelines for yourself around not eating in front of the television. Like you can have a snack, but you have to go sit at the table to have it or, um, you know, and trying to unhinge those habits of television viewing and, um, eating. Or if I think about things, you know, what are the things that inspire you to be more active and make healthier choices? And what are the things that maybe don't, you know? So, you know, television was kind of just an example I gave or, um, you know, is there an app on your phone that inspires you to drink more water or something like that? Or using alarms on your phone is also one that I use with a lot of my clients, like set an alarm to go to bed on time. Like it's one of the quickest ways to get enough sleep. Make sure you get into bed early enough. You know, because our, our times in the morning are usually less flexible. It's that time of getting to bed so that we can get enough sleep um, throughout the night. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's almost like we want it to be complicated or something. We almost <laughs> right? like when somebody gives us like something that is just, that's like very simple, we almost yeah. think to ourselves like, well, it can't really be that simple. But I feel as <laughs> <But> though it is. <laughs> it, it is that simple. And it's also like I feel... I feel like if we can simplify it, then we're just like so much more consistent with it, right? Totally. Well, I always say like the example I always give is like, well, what would be better for your health? Walking for 30 minutes a day or going to the gym once and doing like a super intense workout that leaves you sore for days, but only going once in the week because you're so sore. What's actually going to provide you with better health benefit is walking every day. 
And so if that's how you lean in to moving your body more, stop making it making yourself feel small because you're not doing the hardest, most intense, most challenging, most gritty thing. Like we don't all have to go, you know, balls to the wall and do it all at once. Like it doesn't, I think we just need to dial back the intensity just a little bit and just remember to lead with joy a little bit more. Like what do you actually enjoy doing? Like if you hate going to the gym, don't go to the gym. There's so many other ways to be fit and exercise. But if you love going to the gym, or, or if you don't love going to the gym, look at how could you make it more enjoyable? Could you make going with a make it going with you like the idea of going to the gym, but maybe you need to make it more social. So or maybe you need to find great playlists, or maybe you need to tweak the program you're doing at the gym so that you feel more excited about it, right? Like it's finding the pieces of the puzzle that bring some more enjoyment to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. We vastly overcomplicate this health and fitness thing because, yeah, and just yeah. it ends up leading to overwhelmed city for people. Big time, big time. And it's yeah. it's also one of those things where people always ask, like, I get a million freaking questions that are like, what is better for me, this or yeah. this? And it's like, well, what do you actually like? Because, yeah. like, so often it's like, you know what? If you can't see yourself doing that on a regular yes. basis, it really doesn't matter what is really ideal. Like, totally. if you love Zumba, go do your damn Zumba. <laughs> I'm I'm not a Zumba person, and I'm not going to say, right. hey, go, hey, go no. do Zumba. That's not going to be yeah. the protocol that I put you on. But if you no. love Zumba and you do are getting Zumba. a lot, yeah, do the Zumba. You I love know, running. You love the what, whatever. Who cares? Who cares what it is? I had a client once, she was doing a running clinic and she, she kept apologizing to me for missing clinic. And I was, she's like, I went, I'm sorry. I went to Zumba instead. I just couldn't bring myself to run. I'm like, that's awesome. You went to Zumba. Sounds like maybe you just don't love running. It's okay. You're allowed to not like running. (laughs) Like you need to do the things that you're inspired by and give yourself permission to evolve and change. Maybe Zumba is what floats your boat right now. Awesome do that. But maybe in a year or six months, you're going to want to, you know, I had another client, she just uh, sent me a message like, I feel so bad, but I need to cancel my registration in this upcoming clinic because I just, I'm loving lifting weights right now. It is totally floating my boat and I'm really excited. I have some lift goals and da 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 da. And I'm like, please do not apologize to me. You are honoring your body and you are honoring your path and your, your, your inspiration. You're letting inspiration guide you. As a coach and as a personal trainer, that's what gets me most excited. You know, my sad, you're not doing my program anymore? A little, of course, I'd love to see you. But my goal always as a coach is to have people find their path. And you know, that might be with me, that might be with somebody else that maybe doesn't make me the greatest salesperson in the world, but my goal is to help people be active. However you do it is what inspires me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. It, I always find it so interesting because I, I, I feel like clients can sometimes feel like they're letting you down or right. yeah. breaking or up che- with you. On you. Yeah, like they're like the text. It's somehow. like I'm sorry. I feel like I'm breaking up with you over text. <laughs> I'm like, no, girl, you've been with me for three years, and now you're gonna go do this thing. All the power to you. You're not breaking up with me. I'm giving you a hell yeah that I like. Even if you like, people will just you use you is maybe not the right word to say it but they'll use you for the period that they need you and there's so many people that need us to just continue to show up as we are instead of trying to be somebody else and I think we just have to honor that but it is very interesting I feel like clients do feel yes do feel that way even though maybe we don't feel that way like oh my gosh I I feel like I talked to a hairdresser about this once and she said it's the same thing. And I think it's similar in hairdressing as it is in fitness. Like there's a period of time where, you know, there's some people that will stay with that one person for the, like forever. And they will be your like biggest raving fan. And they're like your most dedicated client. And you'll have them for years. And then you have the people that like, they'll stay with you for a few years and then they'll kind of evolve and want to do something else. And then you have the people that are just the one-offs. They'll show up for one class or they'll show up for one thing and and then they'll they'll move on and do something else and they're just kind of the dabbler they'll do a bit of everything and so I think that it's just again it's as a coach and as an a professional it's like my job is to empower you to take the path that's going to work for you mm-hmm. I don't take any of this personally you know no. and I fully recognize that I keep I do a reasonably good job of keeping my eyes in my own lane doing what I do well and recognizing that I'm actually not for everyone the, mm-hmm. the support I offer and the the style I have 
it's not what everybody wants. And that's cool. If you want something different, there's so many amazing people out there doing different things. Find the person that resonates for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, there was just one more thing I wanted to talk about before we talk about yeah. the exciting projects that you have going on. But that's really this, uh, this whole mommy thing, or mm. even somebody who's maybe listening and is a daddy. Um, how do you rock being a mom, doing the business, <laughs> doing, doing the everything and not feeling like your life is, is crumbling? <laughs> Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Some days it doesn't feel like I'm doing it very well, but isn't that the life of it, right? Yes. I think for me, balancing work life, owning my own business, being a mom, I just think I'm I just always trying to do my best and really setting some sacred boundaries around family time. And, you know, sometimes I feel like I could do a bit better with that. But, you know, I think, again, just giving myself some, just as I do in my health and in my fitness and hopefully in everything I'm doing, giving myself some space and grace to be a perfectly imperfect human. (laughs) And I'm just, you know, really honest conversations with my kids of appreciation when they have to be patient as, you know, my kids will walk home from school and when they get here, I'm not always wrapped up my day of work. And so, you know, you know, letting themselves fix them. They're a little bit older. So like fix yourself a snack. I'm just going to finish up my day and giving me that grace period and just trying to, with the business, really stay true to what am I passionate about? Even if something, there's a Elizabeth Gilbert's, even if something inspires you, it doesn't mean that it's something that you have to take on. Sometimes inspiration hits you and it's just like, needs to go back out into the universe for somebody else to take on. <laughs> and just knowing that everything that inspire me inspires me can't be something that I take on and run with. And just kind of doing the things that really speak to my heart and not doing the things that don't speak to my heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Really healthy boundaries is the biggest one. Yeah. You know, like really setting sacred boundaries around what is family time, what is work time, and really trying to lead with what inspires me and what lights me up as opposed to doing the things I quote unquote should. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, I, I, I kind of bring my philosophy around my, around health that I coach. I try to apply it to my business too, very much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, I feel like for me too, it's, it's very similar to that. It's like wear one hat at once versus wearing like five hats all at yeah. the same time because it gets so totally. muffled and I love that when we were coordinating today's conversation we had the back and forth <laughs> in relation to our kids I'm like okay she understands she I understands totally right and oh I gosh. I have so much respect for for somebody who has established who has established those kind of boundaries especially when it's like you know what there's so many special moments within our children's lives that it's like, you know what? We can have the podcast interview two weeks later and it's not a big it's deal. It's totally okay. It's yeah. totally okay. And I feel like sometimes in the hustle and the dream and the building I of a know. business, so often people can get a little clouded on that of like, yes. this needs to happen this day because I said I was going to hit this target during this quarter. And I'm like, that's just not me. (laughs) Well, and that perpetual, like you see, you know, as a entrepreneur, I am like, I follow other entrepreneurs. And like, sometimes I just need to start, like, I need to unfollow, you know, bless the like the Marie Farleos and the the Jenna Kuchers and the, you know, um, I can't remember any of their names there. But like, there's some of those wonderful business minds that I follow but sometimes like it leaves me feeling like, Oh, I should be doing more. I should be doing this or I should be. And as sometimes it's like, no, no, no dial back. You know, it's okay. Rome wasn't one of my post-it notes on my, in my office is Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. And a sustainable business isn't built overnight. And my goal is to always again, lead with passion and inspiration and offer my unique gifts to the world and share it as honestly and vulnerably as I can and contribute to people's lives. And if I continue to do that, my business will grow as it's meant to. Yeah. One of my other post-it notes on my, my computer staring at me right here is I trust the unfolding of my life. Mm, I love it. So it's like really like just trust in this process and know that, yeah, Rome wasn't built on a day. Mm-hmm. 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 I love it. I love it. So if somebody wants to check out your book, what can they yeah. anticipate to find inside? Yeah, I think I, I tell people it's kind of part my own story and then part my uh, 
my rumblings on kind of why we're struggling. So, you know, why is it that people feel like they're constantly on this perpetual either roller coaster or on the wagon, off the wagon, on the wagon, off the wagon experience of health and fitness? So really just taking a big step back and shining a light on the struggle that we experience and and some of the reasons behind that. Um, and then from there, I introduce a, a, a different uh, or an opposing way of looking at health as opposed to looking at it as a black and white thing you're either doing or you're not as this zone or a health zone that we can live within and creating the habits and, and then some actual strategies and tactics to like, how do you then figure out what that looks like in practice? So it's kind of at, in first part is theory and my own story and kind of how I got here. And then, then it kind of gets into the, the nitty gritty of, you know, how do we actually make that happen? And then what's the mindset piece as well to, to set ourselves up for success. Mm. What was the process of writing the book like for you? Oh, that's a big question. Um, I always tell people it was the most, probably to date, the most confronting and clarifying thing I've ever done. So, you know, confronting because I'm sharing a lot of my own story, but also, you know, going through the editing process where people are critiquing your work when it's like, you know, I'm, I'm putting my heart out here and then they're going to pick it apart with, you know, minute details, which is exactly what an editor's meant to do. But, you know, when they come back at you and I had some amazing editors, like an extraordinary team that helped me um, get to the kind of the final copy. But, you know, one was a journalist and she just every every little note was like, says who? Cite this. <laughs> like, And it was horrible to read that feedback and be like, well, I say, darn it. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, force me to go back to like, okay, what does the research say around this? How can I cite this? Be a little bit more particular. Where's the evidence behind this? And really it it forced me to write a much more comprehensive, um, but also succinct book. So really cutting out the parts that weren't as necessary. Um, And, you know, that is very confronting, but also very clarifying because as I my book was pulled apart as I pieced it back together, I had a much increased level of clarity around my process and how I coach people. So it's like, oh, okay, that's not clear. How can I tweak that? Or how can I adjust this to make it land better for people? And so, um, yeah, very, it very much clarified my entire coaching process that I use with clients. Mm, amazing. And what a great, yeah. what a great tool even in terms of your coaching, right? Yes. It's such a valuable tool and it's actually, you know, I've taken the book now and, you know, I'm able to take that content and then integrate it into other ways and platforms of helping people. So, you know, not everybody likes to read, um, or listen to audiobooks. So it's like, how can I take this information and then share it out in other ways? And so, it's been so helpful. A lot of times clients will come to me. I just like, I've read your book, but now I need this. I need a little more. I like this idea, but I don't know how to make it happen in my life. So then I can kind of, we have that foundation of relatedness because they know where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, if somebody's listening and wants to grab a copy, where would mm-hmm. they do that? Uh, in Canada, they can head to chapters. If it's not in their store, it's in 21 stores across Canada. So it's fairly widespread across Canada. Um, they can order it online through chapters. They can also order it through Amazon in anywhere in the world on Amazon. Um, it's on audible and iTunes as an audiobook. If you're an, a listener, as opposed to, as you might be, if you're listening to a podcast, mm-hmm. um, listener instead of a reader. Yeah. And if you're in the States, Barnes and Noble is carrying it in Australia. It's uh, book depository or on Amazon as well. So lots of different options. Google Books. I'm trying to think of anything I've missed there. Nice. Yeah. All the various retailers, you'll be able to find it there. All mm-hmm. right. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's so good that it's widespread and that it's been able to take off in that way for you. Yeah, it's it's doing really well. I kind of tried to, to come at it with a book with, I had no expectations of how many copies I would sell. And I really was just like, it, it will get into the hands of the people that need to read it. And that has been my commitment throughout this whole process of doing it. And I gained so much value from just writing it that uh, however many people it reaches just is heartwarming. So, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Well, mm-hmm. I want to I want to thank you for the way that you're showing up in this world and all of the wonderful things that you're doing. And uh, yeah, thank you for today's conversation. We just like to wrap things up with one final question. And that is, how would you like to be remembered? Oh. Oh, that's a good one. Um, 
I think I'd really like to be remembered as someone who just really creates space and grace for people to show up how they're meant to show up. Hmm. I like yeah. that. I like Thanks. that. Is that the first time you said that out loud or have you thought about that? I think I've thought about that more practically, mm-hmm. um, but that's the more esoteric kind of spiritual answer. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Very, very cool. Well, again, thank you for today's conversation. The episode will be live next week, so I will fire you off an email that will have all the links so that you can share it and uh, and such. And again, thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks for your flexibility as we went back and forth trying to figure out a time. No problem. Today was the day it was meant to be. (laughs) It was meant to be today. Awesome. Oh, fantastic. Have yourself a great day, sweetie. You too. Take care. Okay, bye. bye. That's it for today's episode, guys. I highly recommend that you head on over to wherever you purchase your books and check out Jillian's book. It really is incredible. The Elephant in the Gym is the name. So one more little announcement for you guys today. We have officially opened registration for our two-day September training camp, and I absolutely hope that you decide to take part in this year's event. This is a two-day epic weekend where you're gonna get to connect with like-minded sisters, really learn how to optimize your training, really learn how to activate those muscles, learn how to build confidence in so many other areas of your life, and really just have this memory to last a lifetime. I can promise you that over these two days, you are going to grow in a way that you didn't even know was possible. You are gonna leave that weekend with more self-love than what you knew was possible. You're gonna build these incredible bonds with so many amazing women. And really you're gonna connect with a tribe that gets you, understands you, and supports you. So I hope that you head on over to teamandtrainingcamps.com and that I get to meet you this year because it would be absolutely incredible. We have women coming from all over the world. I absolutely love that you guys do that, that you hop on a flight, doesn't matter where you're from, and you come and you connect with us for this weekend. So right now, early bird pricing is going on. We have a couple of options. You can either pay in full, we got a payment plan, we have an option that includes accommodations this year. And I really do hope that you guys decide to take part and then I get to see you in a few months. So it's happening. End of September, you're going to get all the details by heading on over to teamandtrainingcamps.com. And that's it for this week, guys. I will see you next Thursday. As always, thanks for joining me. Guys, I'm on a really big mission here, and I want to transform one million lives, but I need your help. I can't do it alone. I want you to take this episode, share it with just one person. Maybe it's a friend or a family member or maybe a coworker, just one person who could really benefit from the information in this week's episode or perhaps a previous episode. That is how we create impact. That is how we get this movement going. That's how we take people from feeling tired and just not having a fulfilled life and we put them into fulfilling their full potential. So I challenge you guys to share this with just one person. It would mean the world to me. And as always, head on over to iTunes, subscribe so that you never miss an episode. They come out every single Thursday. That is my commitment to all of you guys so that you guys can continually grow, expand, and fulfill your full potential. Have a great week. We'll catch you next time. Lots of love. Ange.